when somebody is feeling out of alignment in their body, they're probably not sending a frequency all the time, the frequency that they would desire, I should say. So what starts to happen is when somebody starts to chip away at that relationship and feel better, they're now sending a very different frequency out into the quantum field. I love your explanation of that. I think it's one of the best I've ever heard. And (laughs) and it's so true, right? Heart brain coherence, then we're sending out a different signal. We manifest based on our feelings. Hello, beautiful souls. Today's episode is so, so good. And before we jump in, I have some exciting news to share. If you've ever wondered where you're blocking money, this is for you. I've created a free quiz to diagnose your money wounds so you can heal them and unblock yourself to receive more money. Just go to moneywoundsquiz.com and answer six quick questions to get your insanely accurate and potent results. And if you're loving my vibe and want to work one-on-one, to call in more feminine energy wealth, I would love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on social media or go to emilywilcox.com to learn more. All right. Hello, and welcome back to the M Makes Money show. I'm so excited for today's interview because I have the beautiful Jamie Morocco here joining, and she is a body transformation coach and mentor. She helps women achieve their most aligned body using science, mindset, and energetics. She believes that body alignment is the key to a fully expressed life, and she's committed to helping every woman achieve this. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And you and I, we are in some of the same circles and we've known each other online for a while. We've had the opportunity to connect. And I just think you are such a fascinating human. And I love the way that you transparently share like both your work and your personal story. So I'm excited to dive in. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited too. So I know that you used to be in Silicon Valley and Mm -hmm. now you're a body transformation coach. So maybe we just start there and you kind of walk us through your path to entrepreneurship. Totally. So I actually always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad, it built a niche psychology practice and that was his form of entrepreneurship. My dad was a psychologist too. Oh my God. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. So we grew up in that environment. So yeah. Yeah. And he always told me like, when you own your business, you control your time, you control how much money you make. So I really loved kind of this unlimited outlook. Like there was no glass ceiling, like that he kind of instilled this in me. So I always knew from a young age that I was not going to be the traditional corporate employee that never felt aligned for me. So I actually went to undergrad and studied entrepreneurship. It was a major, Mm. wasn't sure what I was going to create yet, but that was also when I started transforming my body because I grew up and I was felt very out of alignment in my body. I wasn't eating healthy. I didn't know what healthy was. I knew I didn't feel good. So when I started college, that's also when I started my body transformation journey. I was like, okay, maybe I'll end up doing something with health and fitness because friends started asking me to write them programs and things like that. After college, I became a personal trainer and worked my way up at a studio and was managing the studio 
studio and coaching clients and teaching classes, but I always knew it wasn't meant to work for somebody else. So I didn't know what my next move was going to be. And I ended up going back to business school. I went for my MBA, also in entrepreneurship at Babson College. Shout out Babson. They're an amazing place for entrepreneurship and ended up getting a job in Silicon Valley. Uh, That was the whole manifestation story in itself, but I ended up in Silicon Valley. And you know, that job market is really tumultuous in that like one day your company like could be, you know, just really successful. The next day it could be nothing. And I kind of thrive in ambiguity. I think those of us who are entrepreneurs, there's likely some element that we are okay with uncertainty. And in between, I got laid off from a job and between my boyfriend, who's now my husband said to me, why don't you like start an online fitness business? Like you're already like coaching our friends and writing nutrition plans and you're already a trainer. Like, why don't you just do it? And I was like, okay. So I started in 2015, kind of in between jobs. I built my online business and built like the website, all the stuff like, but looking back, I'm like, okay, like probably could have done other things, but it's all good and built that. And then I went through a second layoff in 2016. And I was like, that's it. There's no going back for me. I'm going to figure out how to make this work. So me and Varun, who's my husband, he decided that it was a good time for him to also go all in on his business. So we ended up moving home with my parents and moved back to Boston. So that's kind of like the story of like the transition and which kind of led me down this entrepreneurial path. I love it. It's funny that both of our dads had the same career and your dad was like pro entrepreneurship. And I think I didn't even realize until I was an adult in a way that like my dad ran his own business. I don't know. It always felt like a more of a trading time for money thing. So it's a good reminder that like how we speak to ourselves and our children like matters so much. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is like, like, yeah, no, like you get it. Like totally. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of an aside, but I'm curious, like how was food and like exercise spoken about in your household? Since that's something that you're so passionate about. Yeah. It's so interesting because my mom, an amazing woman, she's like a powerhouse feminist. Like she's a social worker as well. Like I was grew up in this kind of very, um, always coached and taught to be very self-aware, but like my mom just ate whatever she wanted and like never worked out. And like her relationship with her body was like, I love food. Food loves me. I love my body. She never talked bad about herself. She never talked like spoke badly about her body. Like it was such a beautiful thing to witness as a kid. And my dad was the same. Nobody ever struggled with food or body image in my household. And I didn't really know, like I wasn't even self-aware to know that that was even a thing until I was eight years old. And I had been really petite, like my whole life. And I had asthma and I was on asthma medication that sped up my metabolism. And I went off my asthma medication just as I was reaching puberty. Like at eight, I started like early for me, I started growing boobs at eight years old. And I started putting on a weight and looking back, but I'm grateful for how everything turned out. Looking back, my doctor at the time told my mom she was concerned and that I should see a nutritionist. And again, I'm super grateful for my path, but I almost wonder had I not seen that nutritionist, my body would have probably figured it all out. My mom being the amazing woman she is, listened to the doctor and was like, I just want my baby to be healthy. So that was when I became aware that, oh, something could be wrong. I'm different than other kids and Mm. food is not my friend. So that was kind of the inception for me, which I feel like is an interesting story because we hear a lot and everyone's experience is so beautiful and unique, but we do hear a lot of how we almost get a lot of belief systems from our parents and people we grew up with, especially about food and 
body image. For me, it, it was different. It was more like external world that versus mm-hmm. my home. Yeah. So. Sort of like, it reminds me that I have young kids. I know you're not a, a mother yet, but there is this desire to like not F up our kids and to be like, okay, we're going to take whatever we learned, right? And like do it better. And I fully believe that that has happened and is happening like both collectively and individually. You look at the way that our grandparents were raised and then our parents and us. And it's like, if you don't see some generational curses being broken, like, I don't know what to tell you because our world is very different. And I've also had to make peace with the fact that like part of this human experience and part of the reason that like my kids came in for this and chose this and chose us as parents is like, they're going to get their own flavor of screwed up, like somehow, some way, like there's no exalted place where like our kids don't get some type of trauma, whether it's a capital T trauma or a lowercase T trauma. Right. So like your mom's like crushing it, loves her body, loves food, has this super healthy relationship. And then like takes you to a nutritionist on the good advice of someone trusted in your network. And then you start to get this idea, this conditioning of like, Ooh, okay. Food and my body are not friends. They might be enemies or there might be, I have to be careful about this. Yeah, totally. And you bring up so many good points in that because and my poor mom's like, I feel so bad I did that. I'm like, mom, I'm so grateful yeah. because I've been able to take what one may perceive as a negative experience and alchemize that into yes my life experience and how I can help other people unlock new levels for their life. So to your point, like we're all gonna like inflict some sort of, you know, stuff with our kids. But I mean, what's the point of being human if we don't have those dragons, we've got to slay at some point. Right. So yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like you really have alchemized it into this beautiful thing in your life and part of your life purpose and life mission. And one of the things I love about following you on social media is that you do a really good job of like myth busting and really taking a lot of these fads or things that we sort of hear in passing or a diet that someone tried or whatever. And like you bring science to it, but you also, I feel like have such a compassionate way because it's so much of diet culture and our bodies and whatever is this feeling of like, either you're right or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And wrong means I'm unworthy. I don't get the body I want. I'm broken. And I feel like you, so lovingly kind of like set the record straight. So I imagine that's like a huge part of what you do inside of your programs as well. Yeah, a hundred percent because I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything, but when we look at like the diet culture, like diet culture, and also we look at the diet industry and fitness industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? When you combine all of those different, like the supplements and this and that, and it's almost like the signaling the body to release weight is so elegant and so simple that it gets lost under all of this stuff that sells. And if we look at the actual data, unfortunately, 97% of people who lose weight gain it back. And a large reason of that is because the information that they're given is actually meant to keep them repeating. I mean, we know as business owners that it's easier to retain a client than it is to get a new client, right? And unfortunately, I feel like the diet industry is displaying that in a way that's out of integrity, in my opinion. And I really, like, I want my clients to go through my program 
and have it be the last time. Cause I'm not holding back on anything. Like this is what's true. This is what's not true. And let's take those things and find your truth, right. And get you to a place that you feel really good. Because I think motivating people with fear and especially when it comes to food in their body, it just feels so wrong to me. And I'm trying to motivate people the other way. And so coincidentally and beautifully enough, the science actually supports that you can eat any food you want in the right context. And it can be very supportive of the goals that you're trying to achieve. So kind of like, I call it like piercing the veil, lifting the veil. So. Yes, I love that. And it really is true that when we look at so many of the industries around us, their motivation at the end of the day is not that as women, we feel whole, happy, healthy, that we love our bodies, that we look in the mirror and we're just like so content because it does, that doesn't make money. And I agree. Like, I don't feel like a conspiracy theorist either. And yet like we can follow the dollars. Right. And again, in motherhood, like when I started looking at, you know, potty training my kids and I'm like, why is it that in other countries, it's like the average age is like one and here it's like two and a half or three. And it's like, Oh, okay. Because the diaper industry paid all of these people pediatricians to create all of this messaging around readiness and waiting until your child's ready and like And then it just becomes normal. And there are a lot of things that feel really normal to us that are not normal, Mm -hmm. right? As a woman, if you look in the mirror and you want to change your body, like that actually feels normal because in our society, like, do you remember, did you get like teen magazine? Oh yeah. As a kid. And it was like the best I felt like I grew up in such a small town. We had like three channels on the TV. So when I got the day the magazine came, it was like, yes. (laughs) And yet like those things were so full of garbage around our body image and even with like sex and intimacy and that kind of stuff. Like it was all about like how to pleasure your man. A hundred percent. Like 0% of the content was about self-pleasure or how to experience pleasure yourself. And it's like, we wonder why as women, like it takes us forever to figure all of that stuff out. A hundred percent. And then it's like the whole dress like this, not like that. Don't be over sexy. Don't wear your hair down. It's like, ah, it's just such a convoluted like message that I feel like we grew up with. Like, but we're seeing people change that now, which is so amazing. We are. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons like for both of us that we really try to live our lives out loud and share, share more than just our work. Right. But use ourselves as like our own testimonial because there are more women watching than we can probably even imagine. And if even 1% of them feel inspired to do something different, like what a win. And I know you and I have riffed like offline around just this idea of how everything's attached, right? And how everything's connected. And so the analogy I've been using lately is like, if you have this big home, there's multiple doors and entrances, right? But it doesn't really matter which door you go in because once you're inside, you get access to the whole home. And so I love the door of money Mm -hmm. in my work because I think it's just such a ridiculously enticing carrot that it allows us to do a lot to go 
through that door. Like we will slay dragons. We will do all kinds of things, right? In order to like walk through this door of money. You lead your clients through the door of body image, relationship with food. I know other coaches that go through the door of like sex and intimacy work, but it's like the incredible thing is once we're in the house, we get to have a party. We get to go into every room. And so I'm sure that your client experience so much more than a body transformation. So why don't you just riff on that? Yeah, totally. My thought, and I love that analogy that you use, by the way, because it's so true. And I thought about it after you said it, and I was like, wow, that is so beautifully articulated and, and so true. It's my belief that how we think and how we feel creates that heart-brain coherence, which those of us who might've done research into maybe Joe Dispenza or like the quantum field and how the body interacts with it, we may be familiar with. So I believe that it's our thoughts and our brain and our feelings and our heart that create a frequency. And that frequency communicates with the quantum field and how we're all attached to all things. When somebody is feeling out of alignment in their body, they're probably not sending a frequency all the time of the frequency that they would desire, I should say. So what starts to happen is when somebody starts to chip away at that relationship and feel better, they're now sending a very different frequency out into the quantum field. And things that happen to my clients, I mean, it's amazing. So money raise it like raises in their companies. So I work with some women in corporate. I work with entrepreneurs. So they'll hit new highs in their business. Right. So I think on an energetic level, when they feel more aligned, it's literally a different frequency they're sending out into the quantum field. Now on a more like 3d science level, quantum field of science too, but on a more like on a tangible science level, I think what also happens is when you feel good in your body, you're no longer thinking about, oh, I don't want to wear that. That looks bad. Oh, I can't eat that. That sort of mental weight is no longer there. And you have a more of a clear mind to express yourself and more confidence in how you carry yourself and how you communicate, which other people and other things pick up on. So you're also drawing desirable experiences to you. I've also had clients, I mean, just a plethora of things happen. Sometimes clients end up going through a breakup or divorce because they're like, I realized this wasn't serving me. And then they go off to find you know somebody else or go on an adventure on their own. And it feels really amazing. So it just is so cool to see what happens. Like when you get that part into alignment that maybe isn't feeling so good. I love your explanation of that. I think it's one of the best I've ever heard. And, <laughs> and it's so true, right? Heart brain coherence. Then we're sending out a different signal. We manifest based on our feelings. And this universe only has the law of attraction. So we're attracting based on whatever we're putting out. And so if we're feeling enoughness, if we're feeling lack because we don't feel like we can have certain foods or we can't wear certain clothes, or we're looking at our bank account constantly and feeling like it's too empty, we're really, that's what we're a vibrational match for because we're sending out signals of lack. And so it's like feeling contentment, feeling peace feeling worthiness, feeling lighter and more joyful, it totally changes the energy. And the energy is not that specific. It's not like, oh, I'm only feeling good about my body. It's just like, no, are you feeling good or are you feeling bad? <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like, when we feel better, it doesn't really matter what it was or why we're feeling better. Then we get to attract in all of these new experiences associated with that. Totally. And if you think about the conversation we were having just a minute ago about the diet, 
diet industry, it conditions people to feel not so good. It's my belief that you could have a pot, like if somebody wants to lose 20 pounds, that's a positive thought for them. But if the underlying feeling is, but I, it'll be hard. I can't do it. My body's stuck. That's a perceived negative feeling. So that's an incongruent signal, right? Yes. So it's just so interesting to think about it in that way. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I know that this is one of the practices that you like to use when it comes to calling in more money, right? Mm -hmm. More receiving into your life and your business. So do you have any, are there any like tangible pieces to it? Any practices that you like for calling in more money? I would say the biggest thing that I focus on, because I'm not a money coach, though. I don't claim to be an expert in any of this. I'm very much a student in all realms, but in the money realm specifically, I always look at like, what am I focusing on? Because I have felt like I was doing pretty good when I was in tech making hundred K a year. And I have also felt scarcity making 400 K a year. So I always am like, what am I focusing on? It's almost like a constant. I've really taken this approach over the last few years of like being a constant observer of me and like, what am I putting out there? So I wouldn't say that I have like a traditional like practice where I like sit down and I like write out my manifestations around money or anything like that. It's more about like, what am I making things mean? And what am I focusing on? And finally, what do I want to be true? Like, those are always questions that I'm constantly asking myself, especially around money, because I think that you brought up the generational thing. And I think it's such a great thing to think about. I think that we go through each generation and each generation takes on a job to sort of shift the frequency more around money. And so I notice like patterns and things that I do that I have learned and how I can shift them and, and work through them. So it's mm. more like a self-awareness practice for me. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And so going back in your story, you were making six figures in Silicon Valley. You decide to go all in on entrepreneurship. So does your partner at the same time, you guys move back in with mom and dad. So walk me through just like high level. What did money look like over the course of the next six years? Yeah, totally. So interesting. I'm incredibly fortunate in that my dad really quantum leaped it generationally for me, like getting tears in my eyes. And I think about that, like thinking about just where he came from, a very small town in upstate New York. The general feeling of that town was very closed minded. And he left. He was like, F this. And he created something so amazing. So I, growing up, never had to worry about money. I grew up, we were not like bajillionaires, but I, we grew up incredibly comfortable and we would go to Europe twice a year. Like it was just a beautiful thing. And I never had to worry about money, which there's always duality in everything, right? So what this did for me was I never had to worry about money, but I also never really saved a ton. Like, mm -hmm. because I never had to, like, it was like, never yeah. had to worry about it. So when I started my business, I had just spent whatever savings I had to actually go all pay for my MBA program. I did a one-year MBA program and I didn't have savings to fall back on. And my husband did. So he had money to start his business. And so because I recognize my privilege and that I had a cushion to lean back on, we moved in with my parents. I also took on 30K of debt with coaching programs and coaches and things like that. But I just took on credit card debt and I held a lot of faith. And I'm grateful because speaking incredibly honestly, which is not something that 
I, I don't know that I hear a lot of stories like mine. I always hear kind of the rags to riches story, which are so, those are beautiful in entrepreneurship. And I've definitely had my ups and my downs, but I was never like on the street or anything like that. Like I am blessed and grateful that I had move in with mom and dad and they're going to help you guys for some time and however yeah. long you need. So I did have that. And that really did help us. And we thought we were moving home for three months. It turned into three years. <laughs> so, you know, it was three years of living with mom and dad before I had my first six figure year. And I ended up doing a quarter million in 20, 2019. So yeah. So that was kind of the the story. And that's yeah. wedding and being honest, like, ah. Yes. <laughs> so, no, thank you for yeah. sharing that. And I can totally relate. And it's funny because I've said this to my husband before, where I'm like, okay, think about this. I was born white in the United States to a middle class family that had two parents in the household that were college educated that paid for my college. Like, how am I not like a fucking hundred? millionaire right now. In the grand scheme of things, I had so many advantages and it's like, it's almost comical to me. Like how has it taken this long and like this much money work to just crack seven figures and like not to diminish that because I'm very, I'm proud of that accomplishment. And yet I'm like, seriously, like, and in a way it shows me how much like money is an inner game. And it really is like so much of how you're feeling because I I feel like if I zoom out enough, it's like I started at the five yard line and just need to get a touchdown. I'm like, how did it take me so long to go five yards? Cause it's true. You do hear so many stories that are like completely rags to riches. And I'm like bowing down to those women. And also I'm like, wait a second. I didn't have any of that. And it still feels like it's taken a long time. Yeah. It's something I think about all the time too. And one thing that I contemplate often, and I feel like I I've posted this in a container that you and I are in together, but I've almost said like, I don't like some people do experience that rock bottom. And sometimes for those people and that experience, that rock bottom is like a catalyst for them because they can use all that energy to, so that's like, there is duality in in everything, but the duality in what you and I have experienced is that we feel really good and it feels really good. So we, like, I felt like, no, I'm good. There's no urgency necessarily. Mm -hmm. I had to like create urgency, desire. And I think that again, like there's duality in in every single thing, but perhaps when you're in a more dire situation, there's more urgency, which critically for some people, why they almost catapult, but all experiences are beautiful. (laughs) They are. Yeah. And I love your transparency around it as well, because you and I also have it in common that like, it wasn't an overnight success, right? Mm -hmm. This is year six. Am I right? 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And three years of that was like living at home with parents. And I love those examples because again, they're a little bit boring and unsexy, so they don't get talked about as much, but sometimes it can take time. I've had business that six and a half years in the making as well. And it took three years before we really paid ourselves, even though it was growing, there were also just a lot of expenses associated with the growth. Exactly. And it's like, I always say like, who cares how long it takes you as long as you get there? Because when you're so committed on the outcome, it like doesn't even, was no other option for me. And maybe you felt this way too. Like entrepreneurship was like the only option for me. (laughs) So I didn't care how long it was going to take. 
like what I had to do, how I had to make it work, who I had to hire, what had to happen. I was like, it's just, I got to figure it out. Right. And I think when you have, I call it like no plan B energy towards something. It's like that level of certainty. That's what carries you through, through the years where it can feel a little bit hard at times. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we do for a long time before the evidence shows up. So 2019, you had a quarter million dollar year. So what did 2020 and 2021 look like? Yeah. So in 2020, I did 400K, and which was amazing. And then in 2021, I did slightly more than that. I did 430. And I was really reflecting on that too, because I'm always like proud of myself and grateful and all the things, but I'm like, that's interesting. So I went from 55K in 2018 to 250 in 2019 to 400 and then 430. I'm like, what do I feel like happened there? And I'm like, yeah, like my brand really grew and we moved and we bought our first home and like all that stuff happened, but like, what's the money showing me? And I really sat with it and I realized that I didn't really push myself to the point where I didn't like put myself in situations that like made me a little scared, Mm -hmm. not where like it's in a bad way, scared, like, Oh, that feels wrong intuitively more of like, Ooh, there's fear there. So let's run towards that a little bit. I realized I did not do that in 2021 being very honest with myself. So that's, I think I really was able to use money as that mirror for me and help me do some reflective work around like, where do I need to lean into my fears a little bit? Because I know that that's going to unlock the next level for me. So sorry, I went on a tangent. (laughs) I, I love that tangent. It's a really beautiful reflection. And I think will resonate with so many entrepreneurs because we are risk takers and And it's like the way that I see it, particularly as it relates to like quantum leaps, right? Because the money, the growth in your money didn't make sense. That was a quantum leap, right? Like those are really big jumps. And it's like when we desire a quantum leap, it's finding that right balance for us individually where we can stretch way beyond what feels comfortable to try to act as if we're the version of ourselves that's already on this different timeline, right? Right? The version of ourselves that already did seven figures or whatever. What is she doing? What moves is she making? And it's like, can we do as much of that as possible without completely sending our nervous system into a tailspin? And it's like that balance is different for every person. And it's also okay to not desire a quantum leap every year or every quarter. Like when you look at 2021, it's it's also okay to just honor the fact that like it got to just feel more comfortable. It got to feel maybe a little bit more on autopilot. I was able to like put more energy into getting a house and these other things instead of just trying to go as fast as possible in the business. Yeah, that's exactly it. And And when I was doing, like you were saying, kind of reflecting on it, it was just that it was like, okay, like, yes, like there are areas and things that I can look at and reflect on and use that as a catalyst for growth, but also like celebrating the comfort in that. Because I think in the online coaching space, we almost get a very different, I feel like it's a whole different realm because if you actually look at what it most businesses do for three years, especially women in business, which luckily it's changing, but there's a very small percentage of businesses, right. That are like succeeding, thriving. Yes. 
like not, you know, not going, you know, not decrease, whatever. And so I think almost like I had to, my husband reminded me of that too, which was almost a really nice reflection. And that I think sometimes we see in the online space, like everybody is like posting how much they're crushing it and like quantum leaps and that can almost make instill feelings of lack within us. So I think we almost have to remind ourselves of that too. Like every experience has lessons for us and we're also not seeing the full picture. We're only yes. seeing most of the time the celebrations. So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And like we're not seeing the profit margins. We're not really seeing the bank account. And that's something that I've learned the hard way is I've built businesses big, but not that profitable. And then I've had a $34,000 month in coaching that felt way more abundant because the margins are so good. It's like so much of that money actually hits the personal bank account versus being in e-commerce where you're selling a product and you have to take away the advertising costs and the cost of goods of the product and everything else, the shipping. Mm -hmm. And then it's like what you're left with is a small fraction of the big number that gets celebrated, right? Totally. So I love that you're like bringing attention to that as well. And it makes me curious, like, is there a burning big vision on your heart? Like, do you want to grow this thing to the moon or does it feel like it's a lifestyle business? And yes, I want to help a lot of women, but it doesn't have to be, you know, a seven or multi seven figure business. I definitely have a desire to have it be a multi seven figure your business, how that transpires, I'm not so sure. I've never had a strong desire to be known by like millions of people. I really value my privacy. So it's almost like I want to grow in a way that is highly impactful in this world and also like allows me to just never know what that ceiling looks like financially. But it doesn't mean for me that it's like, oh, and you're going to like publish six books and like have a TV show or anything like that. It might at some point, but so far for me, it's been less about having everybody know who I am and more about creating like a groundswell and more of like a movement of women who experience, you know, our program and our teachings. And then, you know, it kind of happens that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. It's one of the things I love about feminine energetics is when we learn that we can hold the vision for something and we don't have to have the how figured out. Your brain might be a little bit in resistance sometimes like, well, but okay, how are we going to do multi seven figures and not be highly visible and not be known a, a ton of people and not whatever. And it's like, there are ways beyond what we can even comprehend. And it's not so much our responsibility to actually figure out the how the less grippy we are on the how the more possibilities are available for it to happen in a way that feels totally magical and miraculous. Yes, totally. We don't leave room for the magic when we get so focused on how is going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm curious, like with you having gone through a traditional MBA program, did you feel like you were schooled in a lot of masculine energy? That's a really interesting question. I think that the schooling system, just the educational system in general is more masculine driven. What I really appreciated from Babson, which is where I went to school for my MBA, is that they really taught you a style of thinking versus like having like 
so much like these are the exact steps that you have to take. It left more room for like expression, if that makes sense. Mm. With that being said too, I also like, I look at school and people are always like, oh, like, was your MBA like worth it? I'm like, well, everything I think is worth it, but I really can't tell you what the heck I, like, I don't remember, you know, yeah. it was more just like a stepping stone. But I do think that, like I said, I think the educational system in, in general, especially in like business schools, mostly men, you know, at least yeah. it was when I was there. So I think that there are a lot of like elements to that. And there tends to be like a competitive nature that's thrown in as well. You So yeah, I would say that overall, I think that vibe exists there. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and it actually, based on your reflection, sounds less masculine energy than I think maybe some other programs. Mm -hmm. Even though thinking is masculine energy, at least if it's like thinking and drawing your own conclusion and then sort of taking inspired action from that, like that feels more balanced to me than like, here's the five-step framework. Like here are the steps to follow. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. Like I know a lot of like CPAs and things like that where they, it's so hard for them to break out of the box because the schooling is just so masculine energy. Totally. And I think that that's why, and that's probably why if you look at like statistically women as a population, we tend to do better with like writing and English and things where there's more, like we're using more of our creative brain. Like for me, I was horrible at math, horrible in economics. Like I could understand the principles, but when it came to finding a definitive answer, I really struggled with that. So I was the total opposite. I love math and science because I felt like there was a black and white. It's either right or that's been my journey is like mm-hmm. learning to play in the shades of gray and paint the rainbow and like do it for the sake of joy and not because there's like this definitive outcome. Yeah, totally. So no, I guess it just depends, but it's just interesting to hear how you had those experiences. Totally. Well, I want to make sure that our audience has a chance to connect with you on social media and follow along. As I've already said once before, like your content is great. I feel like I learned things or I just feel validated. Like you posted something the other day about like, it's safe to eat after 9 PM or something like that. And I was like, exactly. My take is I trust my body. And Mm -hmm. so if my body feels hungry, I don't care what time it is. Why would I not listen to my body saying it's hungry just because it's after 9 PM, but I've never seen anybody post that. So I felt uh, very validated. (laughs) but yeah your content is so great um not only around food and body but just your journey as an entrepreneur and so I would love for people to follow along what's the best place for them to find you yeah, definitely. I, I always love like expanding my network. So feel free to add me as a friend on Facebook and send a message if you'd like, or on Instagram. It's just my name, Jamie Morocco, and you can connect with me there. Yay. Awesome. And we'll make sure those links are in the show notes. So to wrap it up, is there any message that you feel like you want to share with this audience? I think that the most important message that I want to share, you know, I guess I'll share this because my dad said it to me out of the blue today. And I was like, maybe there's a reason he's sharing this message with me. So this is what's coming. Thanks, dad. My dad was like, what's so weird to think about? And I was like, what? He's like, literally at the point of conception, two cells come together. And from there, an entire being is created, like a brain, a heart, all of these things. He was like, isn't that a miracle? And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you realize that happened to you? And that happened to me? I was like, yeah. He's like, don't forget that. So 
I feel like the bigger message here is like life is such a miracle and we just have all of this unlimited potential within us. And I think that it's just so important to take some time and really reflect on like the miracle that it is that we're in this body, we're in this life, we're physical beings, we're energetic beings, and we get to really create and design whatever it is that we want to create in this life. So that's my message, a little random, but I feel like it's just something amazing to think about and reflect back on. It is. I love that. Okay. So to everyone listening, you are a walking miracle. Yes. Take some time to reflect on that. You can screenshot as you're listening to this episode, tag Jamie and I, let us know what came up for you. We would love to hear about it and love to connect with you out there on the internet. So thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Changing the way we think, feel, and talk about money will change the world. I truly believe that. It starts with you tuning in and it spreads when you share this show on Instagram and Facebook and tag me at mmakesmoney. And you know what moves the needle the most? Taking just a minute to leave a five-star review on iTunes. This show isn't free to produce, so let's multiply those dollars invested to help this show reach a bigger audience each week. Thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. And lastly, if you want more connection, more M Makes Money style riffs, and a safe place on the internet to talk about money, jump into my free Facebook group, The Money Club. It's linked in the show notes. Until next time, I'm wishing you health, happiness, and boatloads of money.